Money is just a medium of, of exchange and a representation of value. So what that means is you have to be able to produce and create value for others th uh, through your products or services into the world, right? And by doing that, you have to invest in yourself first as the biggest driver. Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. Josh Cantwell. If you love entrepreneurship and investing in real estate, then you are in the right place. Josh is the CEO of Freeland Ventures Real Estate Private Equity and has personally invested in well over 500 properties all across the country. He's also made hundreds of private lender loans and owns over 1,000 units of apartments. Josh is an expert at raising private money for deals, and he prides himself on never having had a boss in his entire adult life. Josh and his team also mentor investors and entrepreneurs from all over the world. He doesn't dream about doing deals. He actually does them, and so do his listeners and students. Now sit back, listen, listen learn, learn, and accelerate your business, your life, and your investing with the Accelerated Investor Podcast. So, hey, welcome back. What is going on? How is everybody doing today? Listen, I really appreciate you spending the time today to listen again to another episode of Accelerated Investor. Whether you're in the gym, whether you're out for a walk, whether you're hanging out with your family, getting ready for your day, or closing out your day, I hope you're super productive and I hope Accelerated Investor is a big part of your journey. And thank you so much to all of you who've been sharing on social media, who've been spending time with me. It's just so much fun to come into your homes, come into your life and share some of these amazing strategies with entrepreneurs. And today I have a really special guest for all of you that I'll be interviewing. His name is MC Lobsher. He is the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. He is also uh, a producer of cash flow. His passion is cash flow. He has a training course around cash flow. We're going to talk a little bit about infinite banking and real estate and how to maximize your cash flow and your long term wealth using some of the strategies that MC teaches to his audience. He is also a former rugby player and a coach at Princeton. And we're going to have a great time today talking about his. His, his entrepreneurial journey, and his, some of his cash flow investing strategies. So MC, what's going on, bud? Great to be back with you again. Yeah, absolutely. I've been looking forward to this. I always enjoy our conversation, and I'm honored to be on your show. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me. So one of the first things I love to ask my guests is uh, not to necessarily go back and talk about their past or their bio, but to talk about their current money-making strategy. So right now, as we sit here today, yep. what kind of things are you doing to either invest or to create more cash flow? Yeah, so the overall strategy, uh, and this is something that, you know, being a, being a former rugby player and, and an athlete playing at a high level and coaching, one of the things that I took from sports into my life, into business and investing is modeling modeling successful behaviors of others and systems and processes. You know, I think it was Tony Robbins that says success leaves clues, right? We don't have to reinvent the wheel. So a lot of the stuff that I'll share too, as I always jokingly say when I talk to folks, I didn't come up with this myself. I just studied folks, looked and, and saw that there were certain things that they were doing and implemented. So the framework that we, that we use and that we teach is, you know, I call it like the four times CC. There's four, uh, four pillars uh, as part of this mm -hmm. overall framework. The first pillar is cash creation. So you have to be able to generate cash somehow, right? right. So, and, and, and what plays into that is cash creation. Money is just a medium of, of exchange and a representation of value. So what that means is you have to be able to produce and create value for others th uh, through your products or services into the world, right? And by doing that, you have to invest in yourself first as the biggest driver. So right, right. What, what else falls into cash creation? Because a lot of people ask me, what do you do? Well, I start with the first pillar. I always invest in myself because if, if I want to generate more cash to feel, my, to feel my investments and create more cash flow, 
I, there has to be a main mechanism for creating cash. And this is, again, something that I saw all successful, really very successful entrepreneurs and investors have done. They have a mechanism for creating a cash machine. Now, under this cash machine, obviously, my business falls into, and that generates cash for me. There's a lot of, and there's a lot of ways that folks can do this. They could start a side hustle if they, they have a W-2, right? Um, they can partner with someone while employed, like there's great ways of, of, of doing and starting side hustles. Then you can start a business, you can buy business. I know folks that are actively um, and passively involved in businesses in one way or another. So I always say start with cash creation. Number one, you're your biggest asset. It all starts right there. Skill up, uh, increase your mental capital, build relationships. Uh, right, right. And, Invest in your business right there um, and build that, that, that cash machine. Uh, by the way, that mental capital and relationship capital um, is the, the main driver of financial capital in your life, the cash, cash creation mechanism. And that's why very successful people focus on those two and not necessarily just the financial. They know if they invest in their mental capital, they skill up, they increase their value to the planet and to the marketplace, and they build soulful long-term relationships. Um, they know that between those two, when you combine that, now mm -hmm. stuff's going to start going down and happening, right? You know what I um, love about this already, MC, is like you're talking about creating cash and cash flow, yep. but starting with the mental side of it, the psychological side of it, instead of just jumping into a strategy to make more money or yep. a hack or a logistical way to maybe have cost of funds at X and then invest the funds at Y. You started with the mental part, right? Skilling up, yep. building soulful. That's the first time I've ever heard that terminology. I love it. Soulful relationships. Um, and that is really the mechanism to create more cash, to start a, another business, create a side hustle. Love it because many people just say, hey, give me, give me the tactic, right? <laughs> tell me, yes. tell me the thing, the way to make more cash flow. And what yep. you're saying is, is I'm going to tell you the thing, but really where it starts is we've got to create more cash, more cash machine, which starts with you. Love it. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. And so, and, and yeah, and, and absolutely. And first, and I, it's so important that you've got to have an overall strategy, which incorporates all those things, because in the end, you know, what we're looking for is freedom of time, money, relationships, and purpose, right? So that's the, that's the, the, the end game right there. That's where we're trying to get to. So we got to start with, with, with that in mind. The second part of it is cash capture. So now we've created cash. Money has to reside somewhere. You've got a warehouse cash somewhere, right? Um, a mattress is not a good place. Uh, maybe a tin can in your backyard is not a good place. And maybe the bank isn't as efficiently because you're not paying really anything this year or haven't done so for a very long time, long time, and, long time. and or will probably do so in the foreseeable future. So, yeah, so we have to look at where can we efficiently position capital uh, to protect it from inflation, taxes, the tax man, and then other creditors. So you got to make money and protect money. A lot of folks forget the protection part of it. So under cash capture, and, and this is something which we'll get into when I, when I get to the tactics, but under ca cash capture, we're looking at vehicles that we can put money in and also collateralize it. We're going to get into the infinite banking insurance strategy is one of them. Gold and silver, for example, through commodity finance. If you're, if you're concerned about uh, an economic collapse or a financial crisis, yeah, like I lot of see a lot of people, you can actually buy gold and silver and leverage gold and silver to acquire more cash flow investments while you're holding onto that gold and silver. There's a strategy of how to do that. So you have to efficiently position capital. Uh, under cash capture, I'll also say cash flow recovery is big because there's a lot of folks unknowingly losing money every single day. Thousands of dollars, maybe, and, and over a course of a year, this could be huge. And it mm -hmm. might be a couple of minor tweaks in your, in your own life and in your, in your business life. And that minor tweak that you make can free up thousands of dollars. I'll give you an example. You know, if you have, a, if you have certain, uh, a certain liquidity saved up in cash capture, 
then all of a sudden, like disability insurance, which a lot of entrepreneurs and investors have for their, to protect their families, you can raise the elimination period because you now do have money to fall back on for the first you know, two or three months. So you can raise the elimination period, which frees up thousands of dollars. You, need, you think about right. medical professionals and, and folks that, that have high costs of that. That's just low, very low-hanging low fruit, but that's one thing. So, because uh, people usually say when I say, you think when I say these things, hey, what is MC talking about? Like, give me an example. There's one example. Um, the other, the other, the, 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 the third pillar is now we get into the sexy stuff, right? The cash flow creation part. And this is where you can be active and passively in, in investments. And, you right. know, on my, on my show, we cover everything from, you know, commodities, real estate, all the different, all the different niches. We look, you know, we look at paper assets. There's a lot of cash flow strategies, you know, and, and, and there's an art and a science to wealth. Numbers, we can all figure that out. That's the science part. The art is your unique ability, your passion, your interest. You know, there's some folks that they love what they do. You know, I've met mm-hmm. surgeons mm-hmm. that that's their sole purpose. They love what they do because they get to help people through their talents and their abilities as a surgeon, as a medical professional. So for them, they don't want to create another business and be active, for example, in a real estate investments and have people call them and be involved with that. They're more on the passive side. So their art and their unique ability is, and the main driver of their cash is that skill set. And then they partner with other folks with skill sets that are cash flow ninjas in their spaces to drive it. So, you know, one of the big lessons that I've learned in my life, and, and this is kind of in my background, I started, this is almost two decades ago in a, in a real estate office that one of my friends, um, they were a very large owner of multifamily units in, in the Chicago area. And I saw kind of firsthand how the game was played because there is not a building that moved on that side of the city or thinking of moving <laughs> that wouldn't yeah. come to them first right. because they had the network. People know that they had the capital to move on it. And if they weren't going to buy that building, they knew of someone else that was going to buy that building. So people would reach out to them first. So I was sitting in that office going like, man, like imagine you're a weekend warrior trying to go up against these guys. You have yeah. no, there's no way, you know, myself at that, as, as an individual could get the same deals in that area than those guys because they're, they're in it. So instead of in the world of scarcity mindset, trying to compete with those guys, right? Or feeling sorry for yourself. Hey, why don't you partner with someone? Right. right. Go Why bring them partner? deal flow, bring them money, bring them partnerships, bring them assets, bring exactly. them asset, asset managers, contractors, and find a way yep. to just get in, right? Even on a small piece of the action, yep. instead of fighting the behemoth, the 800 pound gorilla, like par- <laughs> partner up with the gorilla, right? Partner up with a gorilla. And uh, there's obviously a lot of different uh, asset classes that folks or niches that folks are in right now. You know, uh, uh, unaccredited investors are looking at a lot of single family real estate uh, for passively or, you know, active folks. And then there's a lot of syndications and multifamily mobile home parks. Um, assisted living and memory care facilities is, is one too. And um, there's also some really cool other things. Um, one that I'm particularly involved in myself too, which is more of a resort rehab kind of project nice. in, in this area. So, and again, uh, you know, for, for me personally, I'm pa- a passive investor in a lot of different uh, areas. And in this particular investment, I started to passively involved. Now I'm a little bit more actively involved because you know, what are we in now? This has been a process of about nine months of learning that side of the business and learning, learning more about that. So I feel comfortable in being more involved in that project actively yeah. where, you know, and uh, alongside the, the cash flow ninjas in that space, that's still, you know, with me in, in the project. So partnering with people is something that I've learned personally. And then the fourth pillar from a strategy perspective, is cash flow control. So we've made money, we've protected money, we've we, we, we've multiplied money, but now you got to protect this. You got to build a wall around this kingdom. 
uh, because unfortunately, the world that we live in is extremely litigious and will yeah, become more litigious. You don't ha even have to do anything wrong <laughs> in the United States, which I love this country, but you don't even have to do anything wrong here to get sued, guys. Yeah, nothing else. <laughs> perception so, perception yeah. is reality. Perception is you got screwed and I'm going to sue somebody and it doesn't cost them anything except for lawyer fees to just come after them. And oh, by the way, they only pay their half of the lawyer fees. So it's not like I think in the UK where they, you know, if you lose, you pay both sides of the attorney fees. It, yep. uh, you know, that, that yep. seems to be a lot, a lot more uh, fair in my mind, but that's not how yep. it is here and probably won't change. So you got to yep. control your cash and protect it, especially because you never know when something's going to come around the corner. I mean, people can wait a long time and then feel like something went bad and then here they come and they come with a chip on their shoulder, it can be very, very expensive. Yep, absolutely. So that's where your legal team comes in and set up proper asset protection strategies. There's a proper estate strategies. You know, uh, one thing that I've, I've seen from very wealthy folks and, and family offices is folks don't like to own everything and protect it. They like to control it. They like yeah. to control everything that they build. They don't necessarily be, have to be, you know, uh, Bob or Sarah on the, on, on the ownership label, basically. So there's a lot of different things that you can do there. But I think, you know, and again, this framework is just something that keep, it keeps coming up and I just see it over and then you start to see it in quotes. Hey, I use my business to create liquidity that purchases my real estate. And then you get an insight into family, uh, into family offices that talk about, hey, you know, most people just focus on 10% of the money. And this is under the cash capture pillar. Most people just focus on 10% of the money and they try to multiply that. That's like swimming upstream. Why not focus on 100% of your money? Right. Um, and in, in that process, finding cash flow leaks and reducing taxes. You know, this was a big aha moment for me, Josh. Like I was sitting in a family office for the first time with, with three advisors there. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to get the good stuff now. Like show yeah. me, you know, show me the magic, like all these crazy stuff that you're doing. And I was like sitting there and I, my jaw almost dropped how simplistic they keep things. And it, and it was like, there was like three CPAs coming in and a tax strategist like for a meeting. And they said, this is, this is what we do. You know, mm -hmm. and, the, and, the, and I remember the guy saying to me, think about it this way, MC. If you can reduce the taxes, and there's a lot of zeros with these families involved, but if you can reduce this family's taxes by 20% this year, or basically wipe out their, you know, for most of the taxes, which those do, there's no return in the marketplace that can come close to that. Now right. you freed up, you know, if you're cutting a six figure check every year for, for uncle Sam, you know, imagine recapturing that. And now all, all of a sudden there's six figures more to now leverage to create more cash flow and investment. So there's, you know, it's a couple of things that I picked up, but this framework kind of just kept coming over and over uh, through the years as I just, you know, fantastic. <laughs> studied so, and interviewed folks. My newest and most powerful real estate investing book, The Flip System, is now available. And for a limited time, you can grab your free copy at getflipsystem.com forward slash podcast. Using the same proven principles, secrets, and investing strategies I'm sharing in this book. I've been able to personally close over 750 highly profitable real estate deals over the last 15 years, make over 400 private lender loans, raise over $30 million of private money, and acquire over 2,000 units of apartments. Get my newest book now for free for a limited time at getflipsystem.com slash podcast. That's getflipsystem.com slash podcast. So let's do a deeper dive on, on, on some yep. of these, some of these pillars and yep. specifically like the cash flow creation, you know, the ways to yep. basically create yield spread or, or yield between cost of funds or an asset and the ability to redeploy. So you mentioned the gold and silver, owning gold and silver. I'm interested in hearing more about that because I own physical gold and silver. And then this infinite banking strategy with insurance. I'm also interested in that because we have cash and cash flow. I also own insurance. So for a uh, selfish reason, let's do a deeper dive into those two techniques. Um, so tell us more about that. So if you own physical gold and silver, 
which I do, and I have a lot of friends that are thinking, okay, like look at 2008, 9, 10, gold and silver yep. specifically went from $7 an ounce to $48 an ounce, and now it's back down to like 17 18 bucks. But there, I, I've never heard of ways to then leverage that or create cash flow from it. So help me understand. Yeah, so from a cash capture standpoint, so now you're going to enter the vault of your kingdom. This is something that should be unpenetrable, right? So on the, that side, a lot of folks are comfortable putting at least 5 to 10% of their, their actual, their cash on hand in gold and silver for, as a hedge against inflation and for wealth insurance. The biggest thing that people talk about is they say, man, you know, yeah, I know I got to own some gold and silver, but it doesn't do anything for me. It right, just sits sure. there and you're at the mercy of the market. And uh, because, you know, obviously that market is heavily <laughs> manipulated in some ways if you look at what's going on and, and pay, pay close yeah. attention. But it is sure. wealth insurance. So the, 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 the concept and the, the, the principle here that I want to leave with your listeners is collateralizing one asset to acquire another. This is what very wealthy folks do. And that's how they think, by the way. They think like, and real estate investors do this all the time. They buy a property, they rehab and fix it up, they force appreciation in it. What do they do then? They refinance it, get the money out of the, the property, which is tax-free, <laughs> it's not income, it's just a return of capital at that point, and then it's rolled into the next property. So you've used the equity in one property to acquire another one. So essentially you took real estate to buy more real estate. Now you can do this with other assets. So gold and silver, for example, there are institutions that will give you a loan, a secured loan, buy your gold and silver holdings. And it's also very competitive rights. It's not hard money rights because there's collateral. You know, and listeners of yours know that, you know, once there's a big, obviously, interest rates, uh, interest rates spread for loans that are hard money loans or loans that are not secured by anything to right. loans that are secured. So there's actually institutions and banks. I, I don't know if I would completely jump in with someone like JP Morgan and Chase that does it, but there's other folks that, 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 that do this that allows you to get a loan secured by your gold and silver. Wow. Access the liquidity, quote unquote, if you want it that way, to deploy and invest in real estate. So folks that think that there's a crisis coming, and but there's other opportunities that come up, this is one way to use one asset to acquire another asset. Now, the collateralization principle, by the way, this there's, there's so many ways that you can do it. Stocks, um, there are certain institutions that allow you to take a brokerage account and certain stocks in a brokerage account um, and get a loan secured by those stocks. It's called asset-based lending. Now, obviously, there's margin calls involved if there's a crash, right? So, you know, there are certain things that you can do, but that's one way of doing it. By the way, there's just a company, you know, for folks that have paid a little bit of attention in the crypto space to, they're rolling out the same thing. There's a company doing wow. that in the crypto space where you can actually put down your Bitcoins as collateral to, to get a loan from that to acquire something. So you could use your, if you're into Bitcoin and not into gold and silver, you could use that to acquire uh, real estate as well. So that same, that? that same principle um, was used actually in the 1970s where a lot of folks, well, there was actually high interest rates by banks. So someone would go into a bank and let's just say they had a hundred thousand dollars and they say, Hey, Mr. Banker, can I get a CD? Because CDs paid, you know, double digits at that stage. Let's just say it by 10%. And the banker would say, absolutely. Give me, give me that hundred grand and they would pay him 10%, but the money's locked in for a year. Now that same person comes into a real estate opportunity and he's like, man, I just put a hundred grand at a CD. What can I do? So he goes into the bank and say, Mr. Banker, can I get a loan secured by that hundred grand in my CD? And the banker's like, well, we're in the business of <laughs> taking money in for deposits and lending money to people. So, of course, I'm going to lend you the money. So, you can access 90% of that, let's just say, of that, 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 that CD and get a loan, acquire the real estate, take the cash flow from the real estate to pay the loan back. Right, so, right, right. That's what, that's what folks did. And this was what one of my coaches did. Like, you know, he was just sharing, this is what he did during that time. And I learned about this, you know, at that time, the insurance strategy in infinite banking is basic. what infinite banking is, is basically putting you in charge 
as the banker with deposits and lending and quote unquote reclaiming the banking function within your own uh, system in your own economy. So how does it work? It's based on insurance. And I mean, I came into just, just for a background for your, for your listeners, I came into this as a real estate investor. I didn't right. come from the financial services side at all. So my <laughs> mind was blown the first time that I saw folks do this. But essentially what, how, how you structure infinite banking is infinite banking is, a, is a, also known as high cash value life insurance, but they use a dividend paying whole life insurance policy with a mutual insurance carrier Mutual insurance companies are owned by the policyholders, so they get uh, dividend distributions when the company. Right, right. I actually, not- I started my financial services career back in two thousand, yep. actually nineteen ninety seven, with Northwestern Mutual. Yeah, there uh, you go. Huge company, obviously very well respected, AAA rated. So this is right in right in my wheelhouse. Exactly. So you have like New York Life, you know, Northwestern, Penn Mutual, Mass Mutual, you know, Guardian. They're, those are companies that have been around um, for a very long time. They have a track record of uh, just paying out dividends to to their to their policyholders. So those are mutual insurance companies. And again, they're all different. They're all unique in a little way. They're all great. I sometimes see people get lost in the weeds about arguing about mutual insurance companies. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. man, if you've been around since the mid 1800s and you've paid dividends for a hundred years consecutively and you've, you know, provided this value for people, I mean, that, 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 that's, that, says, that says it all for me. So that's who it's structured with. The policies are structured very, very differently. So um, people, you know, most people have a bad taste in their mouth when they hear insurance. What I talk about this whole life insurance policy is that seven, well, you try, uh, again, I just want to state this. It's different for everyone with age, health, uh, all the different other underwriting variables. But we, most of these policies, you try to have 70% or even a little bit more if possible of cash, of premiums available as cash value year one. And you have this readily available very, very quickly within a week or so. So when you put in $100,000, and I'm just using that amount because it's simple, nice, easy math for me, um, $100,000, you're looking to have $70,000 and maybe a little bit over in available in cash value. And again, it will be different for everyone with age, yeah. underwriting, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so but we're just talking kind of, about the financial piece of it. There's going to be, because like, yes. I know as a cancer survivor, somebody might be rated where more of the yep. premium dollars go towards the cost of insurance. So let's just right. assume everybody's 30 years old and super healthy. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's yeah. getting the same level of premium yeah. cost and <laughs> yeah. we're putting in a hundred exactly. grand. We have 70,000 available year one. Yep. Then what happens? Yeah. So then basically then you're going to build up, build that up. So, you know, over the, you're going to have 70000 available in year one, but let's just say there's a couple of years of premium that you fund. And you can actually back that in insurance policy six months, by the way, too, to get more premium into the policy. But let's just, now it starts to build up. Every year, your equity, the, the money that you've put in gets clo- the, that you have available gets closer to the money that you've put in. Usually by around five years, you're over where you would have put in 500 grand. You have a little over 500 grand available in 10 years. You would have put in a million. Maybe there's 1.2 or 1.3 available there in there tax-free. Why do we use this vehicle? Well, the number one, the money's guaranteed and it's out of the stock market. So usually this is a, as a 4% guarantee over the life of the policy. Number two is the growth rolls up every year. So there's no, you know, you never see the values of a policy dropping like in the markets, right? right? So it just rolls up and the cash value just grows. And there's dividends on top of that. Most companies between six to 7%. So you're going to get between four to 5% an internal rate of return, but it's tax free. So- it's a little bit of apples and oranges to compare that to, to, to other things. And this is a savings vehicle, by the way, not an investment. But we put this, we put this into, into that because of that. And then it has asset protection in most of, of the you know, 50 states. Every state's a little bit different, but it has asset protection. And of course, the death benefit for estate planning. So it ties into cash capture and cash control because there's a lot of smooth transfer of liquidity efficiently uh, through proper estate planning. So, for example, the death benefit proceeds goes tax-free 
to the beneficiary or the the, the trust. Right. So it has all the, it has all of the other things, and you can add disability riders to this. So if there's surgeons, for example, that has something like this, or a lot of the medical folks, you put a disability rider on this, something happens to you, while well, the premiums are paid, then by the insurance company. Yep, that's so what I have. Disabil- yeah, so there- disability waiver. Yep. So there's a lot of different things that you can add uh, pieces to this 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 policy. But now let's get to the the, the tactical stuff. So ninety percent nine zero of the cash value is available at any given t- time for for a policy loan. And a policy loan, basically, here's the process of it: you fill out a one-page sheeter, you send it in. And within a week, usually five to seven business days, you have a check or an ACH deposit, depending on their queue uh, that they have. So there's no credit checks. To, and, and, and also, this isn't like a HELOC where, you know, most folks saw this during the last crash where they had a HELOC that they leveraged and kind of used in a similar fashion. But now all of a sudden, the values pl- uh, pl- uh, plunge. You don't have access to a majority of the money in the ELOC anymore, if any, right? So this is something where you're going to be guaranteed a policy loan. So then you take that and the the loan rate at the moment is 5%. It's based on Moody's uh, corporate average yield, corporate bond average yield. So it's 5%. So you take that money at 5% and now you invest in something else that produces cash flow. So for me, this project that I'm involved with right now, which is a which is a resort, a rehab uh, project. What I did then, I would t- I filled out my form. I took a policy loan at the five percent of the uh, uh, of the of the policy loan. I t- put that money and I put that money at, into this investment that will right. produce this cash flow. Uh, and then I would pay down my policy loan number one because this is just where I warehouse my cash. So people would say. Well, now you're paying a loan back to yourself. And I would say, you know, here's, here's the mindset switch right there. If you have a hundred grand in a bank and you take that and you invest in real estate and you get cash flow from the real estate, where do you put the money? And people would say, well, I put it back in the bank. That's exactly what you're doing here. You're just putting the money back in your own bank uh, in, in, this, in this vehicle. So you fund the policy, 90% of the cash is available. Let's just say there's a hundred thousand available for borrowing. You borrow it at 5%. It's interest only annually, and then you invest it at a higher interest rate. So let's just say you invested it, you know, even at eight to ten percent, then the cash flow from that that project then pays down the policy loan. And you could do it over. So you could fund money into this vehicle, warehouse it safely, leverage it to invest back into your business to grow mm-hmm. it, invest it in your invest investments. Uh, this is your money, by the way. A lot of folks, one of the, the common questions is, well, what can I not use it for? Well, it's your money. It's your like, money. Use it for whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. So it's like yeah. asking me for what can you not use the money in your own bank, right? <laughs> yeah, and then as you, as you continue to fund, let's say you don't have to fund this forever, right? You could fund it for five to seven years. There's certain rules. They're called uh, MEC uh, rules yep. where you can't fund too much because you can't just over plow all the money into the cash values. So there's a, there's a, there's an actuarial formula that you can only put, but you usually got to fund this thing for about seven years. Then you could stop, but then the cash values continue to go up based on the guarantee. And also based on the, the dividends from the mutual insurance company continues to grow, which becomes more cash values become available to borrow. And I actually have, it's interesting. I have a couple of my investor clients who've done this. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm, so I'm familiar with parts of everything you described, but I've never seen yep. all of it come together. Uh, one of my investors has said to me for years, hey, Josh, I'm going to invest $200,000 with you, but I've got to get it back on February of next year to you know, basically pay my premium and put it back into my policy. Then I can reborrow it seven days later. So it's yep. interesting to see him just moving money, cash flow, back and forth. But here's yep. a real example, right? Same exact thing. He started a couple of years ago plowing money into a vehicle just like this. He borrows money at 5%. He invests it in one of our apartment deals. The apartment deal pays 10% preferred return with yep. the goal of within two years, stabilizing the apartment, refinancing the apartment, paying back all the principal yep. and getting cash out refi proceeds, which are tax-free, right? 
So he then puts the principal back into his life insurance policy. He also gets cash-out refi proceeds that he can now spend if he wants to, but it's tax-free, and he now owns a certain amount of equity in that apartment deal in perpetuity that he basically obtained through leveraging another vehicle as opposed to just taking it out of his W-2 income, right? It's genius because now over the course of the next 10 years, he might invest five or six times or four to six times in various apartment deals and stack up that cash flow through five, four, five, six deals using the same dollars, which he pulled from his life insurance policy tax-free. Yep. Genius. Love it. <laughs> Genius. Love it. So and, and then, you help people do this, yeah. right? Like your course, your training, your coaching, your, your even, even your podcast, uh, a, a piece of it centers around this whole concept, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and what you, what you just mentioned there too is from a tax standpoint, just think of it this way. So if you generate cash under cash creation in your business, there's there's a lot of favorable things that you can do tax-wise in your business, right? Now you put it in this vehicle, which you're not paying, you, you know, this is after-tax money. So this is not deferring taxes to the future. It's done. It's in this vehicle growing tax-free and you could actually, through some of, uh, some of these policies, well, you could structure it so that it's a private pension. And that's some of, some of the clients that we work with, they do the same thing. They say, MC, you know, I, I'm a surgeon. I do open heart surgery. Um, I just want my money in a place where I don't have to watch my smartphone constantly and look at my Apple stock you know, blushing. Yeah. Basically, I can't think of that stuff when I go into an operating room and I have to do perform open heart surgery. So where can I put my money for that? And then where what where are other ways that produce it? So the money's in there. So for him, basically, he wants a private pension that that you could do that through this vehicle. Then on the real estate side, which you just mentioned in that example. Look at that tax favorable income that you get from that real estate. And you don't yeah. own the real estate inside the insurance policy. Still two separate things because a lot of folks, that's a, that's a common question that folks have too. So you yeah. get all the maximum tax benefits of the vehicle warehousing your cash tax-free and you get the maximum cash benefits of the real estate uh, outside of it. So yeah, and I just want to touch on another point that, um, that you mentioned. There are different strategies for everyone. I mean, no case is vanilla. This is not, you know, oh, I just want a policy and, 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 and the policy just happens. It's like, no, 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 no. It's again, back to you, what you want to accomplish, your goals. You know, when we're young, we start out, we might not have a lot of money, but we have a lot of time. There's a strategy for that. You know, yeah. if, we're, if we're getting to, to the golden years in our life, you know, for in our 60s and 70s and even 80s, there's different strategies. You could still implement that. And people say 80s, MC, I said, yeah, there's grandchildren, right? There's legacy, yeah. family bank. You could structure a family bank actually as part of your overall cash control and estate plan uh, utilizing this. So there's different strategies for, and, and then in the middle, of course, is folks that are now in their journey, they're making good money, they have time, and they're making good money. And statistically, your highest income years is 45 to 55, right, for most people. So that's kind of now you're making, you're at the highest income level statistically, and you have some time available. So yeah, so there's a lot of moving pieces here. But I think, you know, the, the, the principle around the tactics is that you're using your money more efficiently doing many, many jobs simultaneously yeah. and collateralizing different assets in the process to efficiently create cash flow. Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. So MC, um, let me ask you, yeah, like, go ahead. Why, why, are, why are so many people... Uh, you know, average, let's just call them average Americana. Could be people making $100,000 a year or $800,000 a year, a million five. But so many people are just 
plowing money into the normal 401k, get my company match, I put the money in savings, I buy mutual funds. Like it's just so boring and more risky and there's more fees and all that stuff. Um, What do you hear typically from people as far as not necessarily an objection, but why aren't more people doing some of these things? Why are so so many people, I think, guess so passive about their wealth accumulation strategies and not more actively managing their income, their cash flow, their money? You work with a lot of people who are taking action. So Mm -hmm. what's the difference there? Uh, You make such a great point. So the first thing is, we don't learn anything about money in school yeah. <laughs> or universities. We're not right. taught anything about money. We're, we're taught how to work for companies and earn a living and maybe enough skill sets to do that. But we don't learn anything about wealth creation and money, how to actually go out and make money. And the other thing is we're taught to be passive and just passively ex- put, put the responsibilities of everything in our life in other people's hands. Just look at the health crisis, right? You know, it's, 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 that, that's a huge part of it too. So people put the responsibility to someone else's and it's someone else that should be, should take care of me for, for my health or something like that. Right. The same with money. So we give, we're, we're taught to give our money to people that are potentially smarter than us when they're not, when they're absolutely not. Um, And the other thing is media, I would say financial media and celebrities you know, the information and stuff that they share, I would argue that 99% of it is not only, uh, I guess you would say wrong, but it's very destructive, you know, in the long run for folks. Yes, you could, there are certain generations that timed markets and guess what? Some of the promises that were made with them some of them will be actually met. But you have to step back and look at the big picture and say that that was actually by pure, pure luck. And I mean, mean, that's a podcast in itself, the whole financial media celebrities kind of thing where, you know, you just looked at corporations are listed on the stock stock exchanges. Those stocks are part of mutual funds and they're managed by money managers. Mm -hmm. And then the, the advertisers, I think financial media, is uh, consistently one of the top five advertisers of all oh, media yeah. that's out there. This is according to Nielsen. I just saw a report. So people get this information bombarded. So when we talk about strategies like this, this is something that you know the 1% is doing, a very yeah. small amount of folks. So um, one of the things, uh, let me give you an example of, of dangerous, dangerous uh, advice or wrong advice. So business owners, we work with a lot of business owners. So business owners... They create a business and some of them are just ninjas. I mean, the products, services, ideas, it's phenomenal. So they start their businesses and they, they start to grow business. So what happens? A financial advisor comes in and he's like, oh, this is great. This guy's doing really, really well. And he's like, well, you should give some of that money to me. And what does the financial advisor do? Well, he goes and invests it in someone else's business. Yeah, he's investing yeah, he's take- into typically, you know, an advisor, and I'm not going to pick on anybody here, yeah. but yeah. a lot of the big financial planning firms are like, okay, I have an advisor who really yep. is a glorified salesperson. And the reason why I can say that is because I used to be that guy, right? I was a financial yep. planner from 1997 to 2004. And yep. I was like, yeah, let me take your money, but let me put that in mutual funds. So I'm inv- essentially investing it with another quote unquote money manager and that money manager is then taking it and investing it in someone else's business, typically a massive corporation that's publicly traded on the stock market. And I didn't even realize at that time, like I thought I was a financial planner. Basically I would put the plan together yeah, and I would put all the pro forma, the numbers on paper, but then I was essentially selling or moving money from my client's account into their portfolio account, which was really investing in someone else's business. So I was relying on that business to fund my client's retirement. That was because that was all I knew and was taught, right? Yep. Versus like when you look at healthcare, right? So we've been through some massive health scares, me, my family, and we've learned over time to manage our own care. Right. Whereas like if I go talk to a surgeon, the surgeon is going to recommend surgery. If I go talk to an internist or a gastroenterologist or whatever, he's going to recommend something that has to do with his part of the body, right? So they're all going to recommend things that tend to feed into what they know. 
Well, what we realize is we go talk to a lot of people and figure out like, well, this guy's recommending this for this reason and surgeons want to do surgery and this guy wants to do this or that because it's what they know. If you look at money, it's the same thing. Like you talk to a financial advisor that sells life insurance, he's going to sell life insurance because that's what he knows. If you know somebody who sells mutual funds, there's some mutual funds because that's what they know. They're going to sell annuities because that's how they make the most money. So it really comes down to the concept of we have to manage our own care, manage our own money, and we work so hard at, you know, 10 hours a day being good at a job, right? How much time are we actually spending managing our own care or managing our own money? A lot of people say, well, I don't want to do that. I'm not good at it. So I'm going to hire somebody else. Well, then you're just relying on their advice, their care to take all the dollars that you're working so hard to make. So I think it really starts with empowering people and giving them the advice first of not just going and investing with somebody else, but going and learning, educating yourself, getting the information yourself so you can manage your own financial affairs. And the people that I find that are very, very, very involved in managing their money, they're the best at it. They grow it. They grow it strategically. They make less mistakes. They're more proud of it. And at the end of the day, I think they have more personal fulfillment from it. So that when they're going on a trip or going, they're, they're, they're paying for their kids or their grandkids' college education, it's because they feel really empowered by the fact that they owned it, they grew it, and then now they're seeing the fruits of it. Like I, I think about one more comment is this, you know, this guy, David Swenson, who's the, the Yale Endowment Fund manager, says that mutual <laughs> funds are a $13 trillion lie. Right, that ninety-six yeah. percent of actively managed money managers underperform the related index, yep. and then they charge fees for underperformance. <laughs> Yet most Americans, that's all they do is throw their money in mutual funds. Why? Again, because of the, the, the like you said, the advertisers, the information, the education. There's so much money plowed into advertisements. They feel like that's the norm. That's actually not yep. the norm. That's the lazy man's way of losing money long term. That's how I look at it. What are your thoughts? By the way, the advertising too, the, 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 the people that buy mutual funds is paying for that through the fees that they charge you, the 12B fee. Yeah. That's another one on top of that. And it even other, says in the prospectus, yeah. the 12B1 fee is a marketing fee. They even tell yep. you that in the prospectus, yep. we're going to take your dollars, charge you a fee so we can market to the next guy to buy the same crud. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think the central message is teaching people how to fish and not fishing for them. And yeah. that's the, the big thing is learn how to fish. There's a lot of different things. Um, and once you start to learn how to fish, you'll learn that a lot of the stuff that we're doing with regards to, to money and a lot of the advice that there, actually the complete opposite should be done, right? So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, the bank, banking and financial institutions and corporations benefit from the advice that is propagated to the masses. That's mm-hmm. just, I mean, you just have to take a step back and see who benefits from that by looking at a financial statement. That's one of the biggest aha moments in my life is that when I realized, hey, there's a debitor and a creditor financial uh, statement, and they're completely different. And what's on my books is liabilities. You look at personal loans, student loans, mortgages, you know, auto loans, all these things are actually someone else's asset on another financial statement. And if you figure that out and you put uh, you know, two and two together, you yeah. realize that most of it is, 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 is geared towards, uh, well, forcing profit for, for these guys. I mean, right. you know, we, that's, that, that, that I would say is, is one of the central things is, you know, speak to a lot of people, get good advice uh, from, from or get advice from different people and get good advice from good advisors. They cost money. It's a, it's an investment for me. It's mm-hmm. not an expense um, because advisors, you know, I call it the return on advisor. You know, when I'm a tax guy, there's, uh, and I say, you know, I have that conversation too. There's a return on that advisor. It's not just a return on the money that you're making. How much, if somebody's charging you a certain uh, fee, for example, for tax strategy, how much of, the, of your taxes are you recouping with regards to the fee that's there? And, right. and once you start to see that, you know, you'll actually see that there's a lot of, lot of good, good folks doing some powerful stuff out there. That's fantastic. Uh, MC, listen, um, as we kind of round third here and head for home, 
Um, yep. Just two final questions. One uh, is, is really about empowerment. So many people, yep. they hear this, they think about these strategies, think about building wealth. They're learning more, which is what we really want to do is teach them how to fish. Where do you recommend somebody start? So let's say somebody's been stirred up by this conversation and they know they want to make some changes, but they're not really sure what to do next. Yeah. What do you recommend? What's the next step? Yeah. There's some, there's actually some very good books on this topic. You know, I would actually recommend any, everyone read the creature from Jekyll Island to understand how money works. That would be the first thing. And then uh, the next thing is for, and was on my journey is I read becoming your own banker. Obviously most of your listeners have probably read rich dad, poor dad, but becoming your own banker is a very, very powerful book by Mr. Nelson Nash. Yep. There you go. <laughs> He's holding up the book. That's uh, Fantastic. I would recommend that's where you start because if you're going to be a student of money and trying to create wealth, you have to understand what money is and what it's not and actually understand how the game works because it is a game. It's a game of debt and taxes, you know, as Robert Kiyosaki said. And if you could figure out that game and the rules of the game, by the way, is the tax code. <laughs> so, right. so who better to have on your team, professional rugby teams, you know, and team, even teams that I coach at Princeton, we get a referee in, you know, during practices to figure yeah. out certain uh, gray areas of how people are going to ref uh, and officiate it, right? So the tax guy is that guy coming in showing you this is the rules and this is what you can do. And this is basically how it's going to be officiated. So, nice. um, so yeah, so I would say start with those two books. Um, and then, you know, off, off, we have some resources as well. Yeah, yeah so tell us free about web. that. So I know people yeah. are going to want to follow up and they hear you. And I love your energy, by the way. And you're obviously like the way you talk, you can just tell you really, really know your stuff. Um, so I know you have a webinar, you have your own podcast, like tell us about those resources and we'll put those in the show notes. Yeah. So, um, they could go to your own banking system. It's a free webinar and then there's a free course. Um, and that's by, by wealth creation firm. I don't call it a wealth management firm cause there's no money managed, but it is the insurance brokerage part of it. So we educate the courses there, uh, at your own banking system.com and webinar and folks can reach out, uh, to us through, through that vehicle and the podcast Cashflow Ninja. Um, a lot of these things that I just shared, there's a ton of episodes with different specific things. You know, you put infinite banking in there, you'll find us talking about infinite banking on there um, and, and so forth. And we cover uh, cash flow, cash flow strategies, cash flow from all different investments and niches. Yeah, fantastic. MC, listen, I have so much fun today, man. I really appreciate you coming on, spending more time with me and my audience. Uh, just been a ton of fun today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And it's always so much fun to, to get talking with you. We always have a fantastic time and I uh, really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for being on and taking the time. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to Josh Cantwell and the Accelerated Investor Podcast. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next or who you'd like Josh to interview. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes. Follow Josh Cantwell and his companies, Strategic Real Estate Coach and Freeland Ventures on all social media platforms now and stay up to date on new training and investment opportunities to start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Apply for coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com.